You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 118. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. Oh, let's take a breath. The aftermath of 117, just an amazing show. Got some great feedback from everybody. And as always, it's an honor and a privilege to have you here for the, our time together. It really does mean the world to me. And so today, I'm going to get straight to the conversation because I really, I want to talk about emotions. And, you know, the Memorial Day just passed and that's a day where we step back and we honor those who have given the greatest sacrifice, their life, in order for um, us to have our way of life. When you go back and you really think about the wars that could have drastically changed our trajectory of where this country has ended up, obviously the American Revolution first comes to mind. There's the War of 1812, because Britain was not happy with the way that the American Revolution went, and they came back and said, let's see if we can try this again. Obviously, the Civil War, who knows what this what this continent would look like had that gone the other way. And then the, you think about World War One and Two, where we very much could have been taken over by, you know, this fascist, crazy Hitler, and what would have come from that. Um, specifically in World War Two, of course, we think of that one. And all the other wars mattered in, in to someone in some degree, especially to those who sacrificed and gave their their lives and the family members who had to mourn the loss of them. And we're still in wars now. People are still passing away. We're still having these emotional quarrels with civilization on this planet over resources and over over land and water and food and all of these different things. And it stems at a very, like, caveman level emotional charge that we get from this idea that there's not enough, that, th- that there's a scarcity of money, of food, of resources, of water, of oxygen, of something. There's a scarcity and you have something I want, or I want back what you've taken from me. And you start to, th- you see right now I'm at this very abstract, higher level thinking around what Memorial Day is. It's about honoring those who sacrificed because somewhere out there, there was a belief that enough people had that said, we cannot allow this to stand anymore. We must do something. And that must do something comes at us from this deep emotional level where we see an injustice or we see something that we say, no, this isn't going to happen. Of course, because history is written by the victors, we are clearly going to seem like the the protagonist in this, the, the, the positive, where go back and ask anybody in Southeast Asia, especially the country of Vietnam, they call it the American War, we call it the Vietnam War, and they do not think very highly of, of us because of that. And it was the something that there was like the 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 American aggression, and no doubt there are a lot of people in this world who see America as in a very aggressive country, and we have had this aggressive mentality since we came over here, seeking betterment from where we were, from the oppression, from the lack that we felt there. We came over here to this land of plenty, and we just began to just tear our way through an entire continent that already had inhabitants that already had people living here. 
but we said, no, manifest destiny. This is where we're supposed to be, and we are going to do with it as we please because we're stronger, we're more powerful, we're whatever we think we are, we're going to show you. And jump forward 200 and some odd years later, where, you know, if you just go from 18, 1776 to now, you're looking at what, 224, 25, 45, 245 years. So here we are today, 245 years into this amazing experiment of a country. And just to make sure everybody remembers this, we declared independence before we actually won independence. So that's just a truly American thing. <laughs> we are going to declare independence, and we're not even sure we've won it yet. So I don't think that happened actually until about 1780. And again, I'm I'm just trying to hope my unconscious mind has these dates because I'm focused on the motion. And then people are like, okay, Jess, you've just gone off on this and total, total history thing, and where are we going with this? And let me let me discuss what I was feeling on Monday. I don't know if I felt it in the past as much as I felt it Monday, but there really was this sense of love for what our country could be. And maybe it's because I finally have a flag hanging from the my house, right? And I've, and I've always said, I, I love my country, but not my politicians. My country is not my politicians. My country is us. We're the people. And we can choose to accept people with an open heart, or we can choose to block people with a closed heart. And if we want to go even more chunked down, even more meta, we can, we can choose to accept ourselves with an open heart, or we can choose to reject ourselves with a closed heart. And so what I want to discuss with us today is how we can begin to declutter and detach from these negative emotions that are causing ourselves to block ourselves on the inside and how that becomes ultimately externalized to other people. See, when we hold on to negative emotions about ourselves, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I've been an addict, I did this, I lied, I cheated, I stole, I deceived, right? We, when we hold on to those emotions, right, we begin to feel a lack inside of ourselves. And if we're not able to clear that out, if we're not able to detach and declutter from it, then this lack that we feel inside, it begins to grow and grow and grow until we become and feel more and more and more powerless. Because we've stepped into that disempowerment dynamic, and I've been talking a lot about this over the last six months, is that when you're in a disempowerment dynamic, there's a hero, there's a villain, and then there's a victim. And if you continue to hold on to these negative emotions that are inside of you, then you either become more and more like the victim to your own thoughts and feelings, or you become more and more like the villain of yourself because these thoughts and feelings and emotions you have about who you are are attacking you constantly, and it never wants to stop because that little voice inside your head never shuts up. As I listened to this book on Audible called Untethered Soul, it talks about this little voice in our head and how it is the worst roommate. It's the worst person in the world to take advice from because it will tell you all day long that you're a piece of shit because you didn't get a good grade or because you didn't get the raise or because you took a drink or because you said no to a friend who was in need, whatever it might be. And then to treat you like crap all day. And then you do something good at the end of the day, and it's like, oh, look at you. You're such an amazing person. 
And then you just what? Supposed to forget that the whole day you've been deriding yourself and tearing yourself up. And then at the very end, it wants to say something nice and you're just supposed to forget all of the negative BS that you had to eat all day. That would very much be like someone just beating your ass all day long. And then, you know, right before you go to bed, all beat up and bloodied and bruised saying, Hey, you know, I love you. You know, I love you. And then all of a sudden you're just supposed to be okay with the fact that you just got your ass beat all day. It doesn't work that way. You can't just forget about the ass beating you took all day. And you know, there are times in your life where you've been beating your ass the whole day. And then what, as you're brushing your teeth, you look in the mirror and say, you know what? You're a good person. You can work through this. You can, you can be better than this. And that 15 second inspiration speech to yourself as you've got a mouthful of fluoride jacked up toothpaste is supposed to all of a sudden appease the little child inside your mind who's been getting his ass whipped all day by your negative BS. We're talking about this now because of what we talked about last week about really stepping into this newer, higher version of yourself. So many of you who understand that the opposite of addiction is connection start to think, okay, great, I'm going to connect with other people. But just like I talked about last week, there's a lot of talking to yourself in a more enlightened, empowered way. So I just got done talking about this on the College Success Habits podcast. And so I thought, you know what? Because I've talked about it there, I want to bring it over here. I go into like a whole 37-minute long explanation of why stepping into a new way of thinking around your emotions, around the way that you talk to yourself and that you treat yourself is so important. And the more I pour into the untethered soul, the more I, you know, I finish up the willpower book, the power of habits, atomic habits, and habit stacking, four books I've, I've poured through over the last six weeks. Now I'm starting to move. So now I understand my habits and now I'm okay. So I've got four books of that stuff. And some of them I reread, some of them I re-listened to. Either way, it's all back fresh into my mind. Just got done reading a really amazing NLP comprehensive book, and now I'm stepping into some sort of some more spiritual based books. So there's a, a Bhagavad Gita or something like that is like a Hindu based book. Somebody turned me on to. I'm going to start listening to that. Untethered Soul is being listened to as we speak because I'm starting to say, okay, understand the physical nature of my emotions and and how I'm creating habits that literally create my identity and how I can begin to shift those. But now what if I remove the labels that I've always held on to so dear? What if I stop saying that I'm a person who's in addiction recovery? What if I stop saying that I'm an addict? What if I stop saying I'm a college graduate or that I'm a coach? What if I took away all of my labels? Who is left? Untethered Soul is absolutely helping me discover the answers to those. And it's so it's so transcendental and meta. I don't even know if the long, I think, honestly, I think the longer you look for an answer to who I am without labels, it, the more difficult it becomes. But maybe I'm wrong and I don't know, but I'm just starting the journey and, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing where it goes. What I do know is that when I hold on to emotions that are no longer serving me, they end up cluttering up my life. They, they end up becoming something that blocks me. It doesn't open me. And what I want for all of us is to begin to declutter and detach our mind, our body, our soul from all of these negative emotions that we are holding on to, some unconscious, some very conscious. Right? As I go on Instagram and I see people hitting one year, or one of the tribal members recently 
found out that his wife is pregnant. Uh, another person, you know, recently lost a job. It might be finding another job soon. Another person is stepping into a whole nother career avenue as a tattoo artist. When I start to talk to these people and really learn more about what it is that drives them, the more I realize is that no matter how much we're accomplishing, we still have these negative images of ourselves. We still have these negative thoughts about who we used to be and how that might hold us back from who we ultimately know we can become. What happens if you spent 20 years as an addict and then you find out that you're going to be a a parent? Do you start to question whether you'll be a good parent because of your history? Or do you start to see that as a benefit? What about in your new career when you're stepping into that? Do you start to see your history as an addict being something that's going to help that or hurt that? Because your own mind makes meaning around this. And mind you, some of the tribal members I'm referencing right now haven't necessarily told me whether they have a positive or negative mental image, a thought around these life-changing, you know, uh, missions and life-changing events that are getting ready to transpire. These are just questions I ask because I like to step into other people's shoes and say, wow, if I was changing my career, what might I be feeling right now? What might hold me back? What might, what resources might I want if I found out that uh, I was going to get married soon or I found out that my wife was going to have a child? What might be something that would, that would be beneficial for me to hear? And then I really begin to extrapolate that out to all the thousands of you who listen. And I think, okay, what might they be experiencing right now that they would like to be able to release? And it never fails that things continuously shouldn't use a universal qualifier like never. It generally comes back to the fact that we're holding on to emotions that no longer serve us, right? When we declutter and we detach from these emotions that are no longer serving us, we really open up our heart to the lightness that can come from realizing that as humans, we are going to make mistakes, that we are going to question ourselves, that There isn't necessarily a moment in your life where you lack fear. You just begin to understand that the only certainty you have is in yourself and your ability to move through that fear. Like I used to think the opposite of fear was courage. Then I started to think, okay, well, maybe the opposite of fear is just stepping through it with courage, that you never fully eliminate fear. Fear is really a necessary part of our lives. If we didn't fear things that were hot, we might be tempted to grab a a pot or a pan off the stove while it's hot because we've been boiling water in it and now we've burned our hand. The fear of touching something hot keeps us from just thrusting our hand into situations where there's the potential for something to be hot, right? The fear of being hit by a car is what causes us to look both ways before we cross the street. But the fear of having our heart broken could be literally what holds us back from walking up to that amazing person across the room and saying, hello, my name is Jesse. Hello, my name is Billy. Hello, my name is, is, is Jake. Or hello, my name is whatever. I'm just trying to randomly throw out names and I'm not referencing anybody in my tribe, mind you. I'm just literally saying, has there been a moment in your life where you have wanted to step into something and you felt fear and it's held you back? a new job, a new relationship, a new uh, house, a new experience in your life. How many times have you stopped yourself in your tracks and not walked across the room to that new experience and said, hello, I have been waiting for you. I am ready. It's not releasing this absolute need 
to drop fear as much as it's realizing that the only person that you can be certain of in that situation is you. Are you certain that you will just walk across the room to that new opportunity and introduce yourself? You have no idea what that opportunity is going to say back. Sorry, you're not qualified for the job. Sorry, you don't have a high enough credit score to get this house. Sorry, you're not my type. You have no idea. But you don't know until you can release that brief glimpse of fear that's holding you in place and step into the newer, higher version of yourself. Whether you end up getting the outcome that you thought you would or not, you get the experience of proving to yourself that you're capable of stepping outside of your comfort zone and just experiencing life for the majestic majesty and divinity that it is. When we declutter and detach from the emotions that have been holding us back for so long, we really do free up a space for something new and amazing to join in. I'm really in the spirit of talking about this right now because I had an amazing client session this morning. And this woman had a... She stepped into this conversation expecting that we were going to help her overcome um, her food, her food obsession, her food issues, so that she could really start to lose, or sorry, release weight and step into this higher version of herself. About halfway through, we realized that it wasn't at all about the food. It was actually about this, this love and this relationship that had meant a lot to her as a child. And as we began to work through all of this and we began to be able to release these things that had been holding her in her mind into this spot that had been causing her to be so attached to food, as we began to release these things, ultimately, by the end of it, we had released everything that was once in that spot holding her back. But now there was a void. And that void could either just be filled with with the majestic space and air that it is, or it could be... something else could be placed inside that void. And for most of us, when we remove something, we want to put something in its place. This is why I I encourage everyone to say release weight rather than lose weight. Because when you lose something, you want to replace it back where it was, where it was supposed to be. When you don't lose your keys or lose your mind and then not want to find those things. When you lose something, you generally go into a panic and you want to find it. How many of us have lost the remote and then torn the couch up seeking to find it? So if you lose weight, what does that tell your mind? You better go back, find that weight. But when you release something, you let it go. It's like catching a fish. You release it. Bye-bye fish. Thank you. You brought something into my life for a brief moment. Now go and, and live somewhere else, not necessarily near me. So you release this. And this is what we want to be doing with emotions. We want to release them. We want to release the undesired emotions that are holding us back and telling us that there are limitations being placed upon us by something external. What's really happening is we're placing these limitations upon ourselves internally. Questioning whether you'll be a good parent, questioning whether you're experienced enough for the job, questioning whether you have the finances to buy the new house, questioning anything with inside yourself is a scarcity mindset. And it's coming from somewhere. So The key is to detach from where it's coming from, to cut that umbilical cord, if you will, and say, that was then. My past does not define who I will become. My present defines who I'll become. My past is merely where I have been, and it either taught me something extremely valuable, and everything has the opportunity to to teach you something extremely valuable, or it's holding me back. Take the lesson and then move forward. 
questioning whether you would be a good mentor or a good coach or a good parent or a good boss or a good manager or a good something where you're in a bit of a leadership position, questioning that is really coming from your past experiences of watching other people manage and lead. Maybe you didn't have the best childhood, so you question whether you're going to be a good parent. When in fact, because of the memories you have around your childhood, you'll actually become a better parent because you're more self-aware. And you say, okay, well, this is what happened to me, and I don't want my child to feel that. So I'm going to do this instead. It can cause you to autocorrect really wildly the opposite way, and you want to be mindful of that. Because if, you, if your parents didn't provide a, a sense of protection and safe space for you, then you might want to overly provide protection in a safe space for your child, and then you become a helicopter parent. So it's very, very, very important that we're all stepping into our own self-awareness, saying, okay, I know what I experienced. I want it, what I'm experiencing now and in the future to be more pleasant or more beneficial to me. I also don't want to autocorrect so far the other way that I actually begin to go into the other side of scarcity were you beaten or hurt or abused at some point in your life and now you want to create this safety bubble around you. But in doing that, you block tons of opportunities to meet new people and experience new things because it's make, it puts you in a situation where you have to step outside of your safety bubble. This is what we talk about when we say detach and declutter. How are you going to detach and declutter from the limiting beliefs and the limiting emotions that have been holding you back for so long? As I wrap out on this one, because I'm going to go, I got a full amazing day, and I really was leading all of this to the idea of, do you know what it means to be associated versus disassociated in your memories? This is something I teach in neurolinguistic programming. It's one of my founding principles that, like my one of my main things that I teach, one of the founding principles of what it is that we go through, is understanding how it is that you can begin to detach from what's happened in the past so that you can actually build your newest, best self without the anchors of then, right? You can go back and you can look over those memories and take the lesson, but you don't want to live in the past. Living in the past with all that regret is just going to hold you back. And one of the most powerful ways to do that is to understand what it means to be associated versus disassociated in your memories. And you can do this whenever you future pace too and think about your future. Associated means seeing it through your own eyes. Dissociated, not disassociated, but dissociated means seeing it from the observer's perspective, the fly on the wall, the camera in the corner, just the third person point of view, right? First person is through your own eyes. Second person is you know, let's say you're talking to someone, the second person point of view is the person you're talking to. What does it look like from their point of view? Third person is that observer. That's what dissociated is. It's the observer where you're watching the memory. You're literally watching yourself experiencing the memory rather than experiencing it through your own eyes. And what's so radical to me is how often we as humans will look back on the happy times in our lives dissociated from that third-person observer's perspective, rather than our own eyes. And how something means more to us in our memories when we think about it and we visualize it is when we see it through our own eyes. 
It's just so funny to me. And I, and I do this all the time. I'll go back to a good memory and I'll be visualizing it dissociated. I'll be watching this amazing memory from the observer's perspective, from the third person's point of view. And in order to really ignite that emotional positive charge that, that, that exists in that good memory, it is very imperative that I'm willing and able to just associate back into it and say, uh-uh, I want to experience this through my own eyes because that's where the strongest emotional charge exists. When I want to release a negative when I want to be able to release uh, my dad spanking me with the belt or my mom waking me up on my 18th birthday to tell me that she was running away with my sister so my stepdad couldn't take her in the divorce, like she was an object or something. When I think about all the times that I did something that, where I felt guilt or shame during my addiction days, I want to dissociate from those memories. I want to step out of those memories. And so when you're in your mind and you're going back to a time where it's been painful for you and you want to begin to lessen the emotional charge, the way you can declutter and detach from these emotions that are holding you back is by stepping outside of the negative memories that you have, of stepping outside of the negative emotions and step into that third person point of view. Go into the observer role and watch yourself in these memories. For me, I can see myself being spanked by my dad now, and it no longer hurts me like it used to. I can I can step out of seeing my mother wake me up from my own eyes. Instead, I can see myself being woken up by her and saying, I have to go. This is the only way. And then the, the sense of sadness and loneliness and loss that I felt in that moment begins to dissipate because now I'm just watching it like I would be watching any other movie. Sure, there's emotions involved, but it's not as strong because it's not happening to me. And this isn't lying to myself as much as it's stepping into a place of empowerment where I get to create how it is I decide I'm going to remember my life. Again, you don't have to, it's not lying to yourself. When there's 2.3 million bits of data coming at your conscious mind, that coming into your awareness every single second, and you can only hold on to a tiny little sliver of it, 126 bits. Well, then if you're ignoring the other 2.3 million bits, then just decide to go pay attention to a different 126. You've barely even recognized what's happening around you. You're just creating stories. So choose a different way to watch that story. You're not doing this to forgive someone else. You're doing this to release the anchor you have on those moments in your life that are currently holding you back. So when you say, I can't get this job because I'm not qualified enough, what memory inside your head is telling you that? Go back, step outside of that memory that you were probably seeing from your own perspective, step outside into that observer role, and watch what happens. Feel what happens. When I guide people through this during sessions, the change work that occurs is absolutely amazing. And while you may not be able to experience that with me as I describe this to you now, I can assure you, if you go back to a memory that was bringing you strife, that was bringing you heartache, and you step outside of seeing it from your point of view, and you step into that observer role, that third person point of view, you begin to lessen the emotional charge. And when you do this, you can now really start to detach and declutter 
these undesirable emotions that have been holding you where you're at so that you can finally fly and be free to create something new from your present moment. Start practicing this when something brings you an emotional charge. Close your eyes and and picture what just occurred that caused that emotional charge. And if you're seeing it from your own perspective, then step out to that observer perspective and watch that event happen from that point of view. The change will either seem radical and just amazing in that moment, or it'll be slow and gradual. The longer you've been holding on to that memory and remembering it, the more gradual it might be. But the more you practice this, the more you apply it, the more you evaluate the way that you're actually experiencing your past in your mind and make a conscious decision to experience it a different way, is the moment that you begin to free yourself from these emotions that are holding you back from your highest self. And that is how you create empowerment inside your own mind. No one will care as much about your personal growth and your evolution as you will. Nobody will ever care as much as you will care about yourself. And I don't care what they say when they're on one knee. I don't care what they say whenever they're kissing you goodnight. No one will care as much about you as you will. So work harder to release what you need to release so that you can truly become your highest sense of self. I'll see you guys again next week. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day I wake up, every day you wake up is the best day of your life because you wake up sober. Shout out to sunshine, glow on. See you again next week, my friends. Bye-bye.